Hello and welcome to The Frontline, a podcast from ILGA Europe. We represent and work on behalf of over 600 LGBTI activist organizations across Europe and Central Asia. And our podcast aims to bring you to the front lines of queer activism in the regions. This is the first episode in our mini-series on rainbow family rights in 2021, during which we're looking at the issues affecting LGBTI parents and their children across Europe. I'm your host today, Belinda Deer, and our first guest is Adrian Coman from Romania. Three years ago, Adrian and his partner Clay were successful in bringing their case to the Court of Justice of the European Union, which judged that same-sex spouses are fully recognized as spouses under the EU Freedom of Movement Directive, and that Adrian and Clay, who is American, should be granted a residence permit in Romania. To this day, the judgment has not been implemented by the Romanian state, And in March, the couple has now taken the case to the European Court of Human Rights to finally get their rights recognized. I'm joined also by Arpia Fatissian, Head of Litigation at ILGA Europe, to talk about the implications of the latest developments in the Coman case. Hi both, and welcome to The Frontline. Adrian, can you start by giving us a bit of background to the original case and your current case at the Court of Human Rights? Sure. It is one case. Um in both courts. Basically, in 2012, I was uh, living there in Brussels after working for uh, the European Parliament, and I was uh, unemployed. I had to stay in uh, Brussels in order to collect unemployment from the EU. And my husband, Clay, was in uh, New York. We had married in 2020. Uh, in Brussels, and we were looking for a way to be together again. And Romania was an option, and it wasn't clear what legal status he would have there. So I wrote a letter to the immigration authority in Romania asking how Clay can get a residence in Romania based on uh, free movement within the European Union as my spouse. And the immigration authority answered that he can't, that he will not be considered a spouse because of the specific prohibition in the civil code of recognition of same-sex marriages uh, entered to abroad. Um, so that's what led to the case in the first instance court in uh, Romania. And to go very, very fast through nine years of litigation, um, we invoked in the first instance court that the civil code article that the government relied on is unconstitutional because the constitution has clauses about equal protection and the protection of family and private life. And we made it to the constitutional court. And there, We asked the court if they don't know how to apply the EU law on free movement to refer the case to the EU Court of Justice, uh, and they did. And the EU court decided that same-sex spouses are spouses in EU law for free movement. That was in uh, June 2018. We went back to the Constitutional Court. The court decided not to repeal the civil code prohibition of same-sex marriages entered to abroad, however, um, ruled that the civil code provisions have to be applied in the light of the EU court decision, therefore that Clay should be able to get a residence. 
And then we went back to the first instance court where everything started. Uh, and there we got into a procedural issue about whether the, it was the court or us as a party to reopen the case and in what uh, term of time that should have happened. And the court basically decided to close the case. And we appealed and uh, appeal agreed with the first instance court. So in that context, together with Akcept, who is uh, part of the case and who has provided the support all these years, we made an application to the European Court of Human Rights in Strasbourg. And that was in December last year. And in that application, we raised the substantive issue that we uh, raised at the beginning about the uh, residence that Clay was entitled to in Romania and did not get, despite having clarified the legislation through the decisions of the Constitutional Court and EU Court of Justice. And we also raised the right to fair trial in Article 6 because of the procedural issues that uh, the first instance court got into at the very end, because we didn't have an effective remedy uh, after all this story. And to my great surprise, I admit, the European Court of Human Rights, where we know how long something takes, responded just in a few weeks and sent questions to the government. And one of them, interestingly, is on Article 12 on the right to marry and the related uh, residence for uh, Clay. So that's a very brief, um, non-legal presentation of <laughs> what I think happened. That that feels already quite legal for me. I'm not a lawyer, but it, it already is. Uh, it's it's fairly legal. So I will just follow up with um, maybe um, I don't know if it was a basic question, but basically, uh, do you think that the the difficulties that you've been having at the national level, um, and especially with the implementation of the judgment, is influenced by the government or more it's a case of a kind of ideology of not of not wanting to have recognition of same-sex partnerships um, in Romania on the part of the legal system I think ideally you would ask them <laughs> not me um, listen we had many governments yeah since 2012 um, you know true. I don't know if I I have enough fingers to count them <laughs> yeah I what I see is just a resistance to change. Um, um, some governments think that a majority in Romania is against anything that has to do with LGBT people, therefore resist uh, being seen as operators of change. One government, for instance, of uh, Viorica Dancila, uh, theoretically socialist government, a few years ago, when partnership, civil partnership law was being debated in parliament. And by the way, such a law would also bring resolution to our situation. The government was against adopting such a law. I will never forget what the motivation was, that it doesn't respond to a social need. <laughs> Imagine such a motivation blunt like that. Um, so, yes, there is um, a perceived uh, majority view and also 
you know, on this issue, I'm sorry to admit that the change has always come from abroad. If you look at Romania in the last 20 years, and I was executive director of ACCEPT uh, in uh, late 90s when we were um, fighting to repeal uh, Article 200, which uh, was a criminal provision against consenting same-sex relations in private between adults. Romania was the last country in Europe to repeal it. And I think that kind of says where authorities are in their mind. I remember a member of parliament a year ago who spelled it out that we should be happy, we gay people, that we are no longer criminally persecuted in, uh, in Romania. So kind of keep your mouth shut and don't speak about any marriage and recognition because look where you were, right? And what great gift we gave you. So if you look back from the repeal of Article 200, which was in 2001, under the pressure from the EU in the context of Romania's accession to the EU, which was, um, you know, a few years later in 2007, the only other thing you see adopted in Romania on this uh, issue is the amendment to the, to the civil code to prohibit, you know, same-sex marriages, partnerships, and the recognition of those if they happened abroad. So that is what the Romanian government gives uh, Romania's LGBT citizens. Thank you for for explaining that. It's um it's very interesting interesting context. I did not know that this um decriminalization of consensual same same sex acts was so late. RP, I have a question for you, and and perhaps Adrian, feel free to come in if you if you also um would like to answer it. Do do you have um in terms of the European Court of Human Rights, um do you have an idea as to why this was um so quick to to be processed? The European Court just established a new kind of procedure on fast-tracking impact cases. And that's what, uh, you know, they had in their press release, how they will be going forward with the cases because there is a huge backlog. And I'm really happy to see that the European court saw this case as an impact case. It's, you know, it's about Clay and Adrian, but it impacts on so many other families and so many other couples. So I'm assuming that's, um, if not the reason, it's definitely one of the reasons. And it's great that the European Court reacted so quickly, because um, as we know, there is a pending uh, European Commission complaint submitted by ACCEPT concerning a, a similar case, another couple, uh, Romanian and, and Serbian nationals, and that's been pending for over a year and a half, I think. So in that sense, it was amazing to see that the court in Strasbourg was so quick to react. And I'm really hoping that it will progress quickly as well. And what does impact mean for the court as an impact case? To be honest, this is a new development for the European court. So I wouldn't be, uh, I don't think I'm well, well placed to answer this question. Did they already decide on that matter? Because in, in our case, there was a decision in Pajic versus Croatia, which was exactly about the legal residence of mm. one of the two partners who were not even married. They were not indeed. Yeah. Okay, there is a judgment from the Court of Justice in Luxembourg, which should have been implemented in Romania for you, 
in the first place. And, you know, uh, it should have become part of Romanian law. So it should have been implemented for anyone in a similar situation. And the judgment should also be implemented across the EU in other countries. We know that there are other countries that don't have any kind of recognition, including uh, Slovakia, uh, Poland, Hungary, Latvia, Lithuania. So in, in that sense, I think the court is looking at implementation of EU law. I don't know. I'm just speculating. Um, but indeed, there is Baich case, uh, Tadeuci and uh, McCall versus Italy also, you know, very that re- there are relevant cases from the European Court of Human Rights. They are quoted, um, actually, in the list of questions that the court sent mm-hmm. to the government. Yeah. So let's hope that, uh, yeah, there will be a judgment very soon and uh, you and Clay will be able to finally see the end of, of this litigation process that you started nearly 10 years ago. Thanks a lot. Uh, thanks a lot for those insights from, from both of you. Um, I just want to... Uh, rewind a little bit to um, to the uh, European Court of Justice and the time that you brought the case. How was that for you, RP? Should we start with you and then and then maybe move on to Adrian? Like, how, how was that process? It would be interesting for our listeners to to hear. Of course, I was speaking in a different uh, event earlier this morning and about your case, Adrian, on the role of equality bodies. And and there, I remember that actually. Since I started at ILGA Europe, it's over five years ago, I've been working uh, to support uh, your case, you know, when it started in Romania, then moving to the Court of Justice. Yes, and in the media, and thank you for for all these efforts. I I always say that Clay and I would not have done anything without the many people and, and institutions that have helped us and, and, and believed in this cause. And it is one reason why we stay in it for so long, because we realize it's no longer about the two of us. Indeed, indeed. That's exactly the reason. I remember very clearly when uh, the judgment was delivered, you know, after reading the whole judgment quickly and seeing that, oh, this is uh, indeed a landmark judgment. I went and I bought a bo- bottle of bubbly and a cake and we celebrated at Ilga Europe because this was a huge achievement. And in that sense, um, you know, all the worries, uh, all the, it was kind of looking back saying, you know, Adrian and Clay and your family, Adrian, uh, who are very supportive, but uh, at the same time, uh, I know it's not easy, you know, to be in in the media all the time. Um, it's a lot of pressure as well, and what you went through. Um, so it, it kind of felt, well, there is a happy ending. So I look back at those times, how happy we all were to celebrate the case. And unfortunately, I'm also now very disappointed that three years on, we're still discussing about... Clay having an opportunity to have uh, residence, to receive residence rights, uh, the permit, and to travel with you to Romania as your spouse. So it, this case is like a roller coaster in a way, you know, that, that the struggles were there, there was the, uh, the important landmark judgment, and now um, there is continuing the struggle to ensure that it actually becomes a reality. Yes, and I would add that, uh, you know, Clay and I are very lucky because we live in New York. I 
happen to be an American citizen at the same time uh, and therefore are here, um, you know, being recognized as spouses. We have the choice of not going to Romania now, of waiting for look how many years, but other people do not. You know, the example you gave in Romania with the Romanian and Serbian couple, they do not have that choice. They are in Romania. And the Serbian has been there for so long and is in the point of de deportation. Um, so I, we recognize what privileges we have and we have to use them for those who are not in the same situation. Yeah, exactly. And... and um... And that case of the, the uh, Serbian and Romanian couple, indeed, in in the COVID nineteen um, reality that we're in, if the Serbian spouse is deported, then they can't they can't reach each other because of the border restrictions as a result of COVID nineteen. So they would be separated without being able to reunite. And there are and many so many really, stories. Um, I, I I know them because as Clay and I became known through this case in in the media. You know, many people wrote us with, with their own stories. And I remember um, another couple, a Romanian with a Brazilian um, uh, guy who have been moving from UK to Belgium and then Austria. And they were not, um, the Brazilian was not allowed to, to enter uh, Romania. And they've had months and months of, of all these administrative issues. And they ended up splitting. That breakup is on the shoulders of the Romanian government. How do you feel about the the, the case and the and the hopes for the future, um, Adrian? We are very optimistic. While we never know how courts would decide, I think the all the measures from the higher courts have been favorable, and it's not surprising because I think the law is just not keeping up with the reality in society. Um, Clay and I have taken various trips in uh, Romania uh, to show up in this court, first of all. And in our communication with ordinary people who would recognize us from the TV, we've only seen uh, support. And I think that is the real change that doesn't get uh, reported. Um, and I think what the courts are doing is just to correct these problems that uh, executive and legislative institutions do not yet see for populist reasons, in, in my opinion. So people are ahead of the government, we're just uh, keeping up, and I think we are very um, optimistic about the outcome. It's just impossible, I think, for Clay and I to come out spouses from the EU court in Luxembourg and not be spouses for the European Court of Human Rights with all the implications that brings. And uh, and so you think that that you know you'll probably get a favorable judgment and that that will help with the with the implementation because of course the the main issue here is very much the implementation. Yes, and I think the key is to see in how far that judgment will go. Yeah, because it can be narrow such as you know clay has to have a residence, which the other court already said, yeah, and con the constitutional court agreed to. Or we hope it will go further in terms of the recognition as a family with various rights and obligations that come 
from that, regardless of the sexuality of the partner. Thanks very much um, for for sharing that. And indeed, um, it was um, Theodora from Accept. And just for our listeners who who might not know, Accept is um, the main LGBT uh, association in, in Romania. Um, and it was Theodora who recently was um, sending us statistics about the the public opinion on this, uh, which is very favorable, actually. So it is very much the case that, that it, the law needs to catch up. Api, do you have any final final words? I'm I'm also very uh, optimistic about the outcomes of, of the case from the European Court of Human Rights. In one way, yes, it will give the opportunity to really follow up with it because we see that uh, the follow-up implementation with the European institutions is not a, a fast procedure. It takes a lot of efforts. There is no clarity what's happening, whereas the Council of Europe bodies are very open. So hopefully the judgment, as Adrian said, even if it's a reiteration that the Court of Justice Luxembourg judgment must be implemented in Romania. So even that is possible to do through the Committee of Ministers execution process uh, as they monitor the execution of judgments. But let's hope that the European Court will indeed, as Adrian said, uh, deliver a, a strong, more comprehensive judgment on, on family rights or rainbow families in Romania and, and the Cross Council of Europe, which is much broader. Yeah, that will be really helpful. And I'd like to say thank you to you all and to Accept, to ILGA Europe, to many institutions, people, lawyers who have helped us all these years. And I would also like to say that it is a very encouraging environment in which we live and we can only move forward step by step. And we are at the time and where activists explore all sorts of strategies uh, across Europe. Litigation is only uh, one of them. And yes, litigation has been increasingly successful and we have to make full use of it when appropriate. And thank you also, Adrian, for continuing your efforts and the struggle, but also that, you know, your example has inspired so many other couples that, uh, you know, they get in touch with me as well saying, how can we take a case? Because we've seen Adrian and Clay doing this and we, we're happy to also join because it is joining efforts, you know, from different countries. It just shows the reality that how many other couples, families are going through the same. And hopefully this really will bring the change for everyone. Thank you for saying that. It is a great reward for us to hear it. And we also hear it uh, directly. And it's one of the reasons that keeps us into these efforts. Well, thank you both for, for all that you're doing for improving the, the rights of LGBTI people and rainbow families across Europe. And thank you for taking the time to join us today. I hope you have a, a wonderful day. It was a very interesting discussion. You have been listening to The Frontline, ILGA Europe's LGBTI activism podcast. Please subscribe, like or comment wherever you listen to our podcasts. And tune in next time when we'll be talking to a Bulgarian couple who took their case to the European court so that their child, born in the EU, will not be stateless. Bye for now.